You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit our website at InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. I'm Trevor Algott. And on this podcast, we interview writers, directors, actors, content creators, a whole breadth of people from the entertainment industry and package it up into this podcast and deliver it to an internet near you. For people who haven't heard us before, we definitely don't uh, purport to have the answers. We we started this podcast because we're looking for the answers and we wanted to sit down with people who might have the answers based on their results and so that's what this is all about it's just a, a conversation so if you hear something on the show that you're that you're in complete agreement with or maybe that you're in complete disagreement with uh we invite all sorts of feedback and, and conversation so uh start to get in touch with us by heading to our website insideactingpodcast.com and on this episode we've got uh nobody if we don't have somebody with answers <laughs> um, <laughs> amen uh mr kevin e west from the actors network here in la one of actually our most requested guests yeah um a lot of listeners have reached out and said they wanted to have him on the podcast and here he is so enjoy that All right, so what's uh, what's been going on with you, buddy? Oh, you know, just recording the 95th episode of this podcast that I got with a good friend of mine. No, um, no, no, yeah. no, no. You know, it hasn't been it hasn't been an easy journey all the time, but it's been very rewarding and uh, <laughs> very grateful to be here. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> One of these days, we should we should like do an episode where like you're the guest and I'm interviewing you. And that's the first half, and like the second half is I'm the guest and you're interviewing me. That'll be nice, man. You know, no, yeah, we'll call it the masturbation of... episode. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had a lot of interviews in my life, and I've realized, you know, sometimes I'm like, I want to be interviewed, Aww. you know. And I was like, Ask well, questions. I have the, the platform for it, right? <laughs> like, what's it's in reverse. From just you can interview me, and then I'll interview you, and we'll bring Ben on. To co-host, to, interview the, us? to co-host the bookends. Wow. And then during the middle part, he'll be interviewing us. Okay. Done. <laughs> Done deal. Done deal. Uh, uh, so what, I love that what, he's like this mythical... He's like a unicorn on our podcast. He like, appears out of nowhere. We reference or him all a, the a time. a Patronus for you Potter fans out there. Dude, nice... Cult, pop culture reference. Thank you so much. Wow. I feel like it was more geek like a nerd. Yeah, even. more like yeah. a geek culture reference. But but well done. Well <clears throat> done. Uh, uh, so what is this podcast about? Again? I, I don't know. Actors or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what's new in your world, man? How was uh, how was this week for you? Um, this week was busy. Um, extremely busy, and I can't even remember why. Uh, the biggest piece of news is that I have a meeting tomorrow. It's my second pilot uh, meeting of the season. Der boom, da boom, and, and that um, came in. That came in. That call came in just before we started recording. Yes. So, but well, I, I, the appointment came in just before we started recording, mm-hmm. but I knew it was coming. Um, this was really fascinating how this happened. Like, I had a I had a meeting, a lunch meeting with my agent, and uh, hadn't seen him in a while, and you know, wanted to tell him stories from the set of Broken Horses and that kind of thing, and 
I feel like I'm starting to live, like truly live the distinctions of leadership and stuff that we've been learning in, um, in MITT and in all of our leadership trainings. And a lot of what it is, is like just really being with people. However, like meeting them where they're at, matching Mm -hmm. their energy, like all of the, the, the stuff I've been learning about is really support. I can tell it's supporting me not only in the audition rooms, but in of course meetings. So this meeting was epic because what happened was at a certain point in the meeting, he started talking about his himself, like his personal life. And I was just like, cool, I'm going to go there, you know? And I just started asking questions and we had this really epic conversation where literally he said multiple times throughout the conversation, something akin to, I love you, AJ, man. I love like, you're so open and like, you get it. And I love talking to you about stuff and all. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy because we've talked about on the podcast so often about just being generous and being with people and knowing that you're just, it's a relationship business. And so that by the end of the conversation, he goes, what can I do for you, man? What, what do we, what, what do we need to do? And I was like, Dude, it's like, it's pilot season. Get me appointments. Come on. You don't know, you know the answer to that question. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, look, use the film. I know you're going to. And he's like, yeah, of course, you know, use the film. Tell people, oh, he just came off a feature with, you know, uh, what do I keep saying? Victor, Victor D'Onofrio. <laughs> yeah. He just came off a feature with Vincent D'Onofrio. You know, <clears throat> use that. Um, uh, and, and you know, here are the offices I get called in a lot. Use that. You know, leverage that. And, uh, you know, just, I don't know, make it happen. Like, you know, let me know what I can do for you. It, it just was like the coolest, just mo- most comfortable. I've had multiple auditions lately. I tweeted this the other day, for, I think from the Inside Acting account. I've had so many auditions lately that have been super comfortable when I was walking in. I realized that it was because I just like my intention going in was like, these people are friends. They're wow, my friends. Yeah. They're my friends. And I'm just going in to like hang out with friends and do this thing with friends. Like, like you and I do with the ensemble or something. Uh-huh. So I walk in and I'm just like, these are my friends. Here's my thing. Oh, you know, you liked it or you didn't like it or I'm getting a callback or I'm not getting a callback. It doesn't Dude. matter. <sighs> I feel like that's how you book the office oh my God, more often yeah. than not, you know, and if they want to, but they, you know, and it's what Blake Robbins was talking about and his stuff about just being you, about just being yourself. So I feel like, you know, if I go in, I don't match the role, I'll book the office. They'll call me in for something else and I'll book something that matches me perfectly. Yeah. You know, like wh- what you just said is you're blowing me away right now. <laughs> like you really are. You're the blowing me away. I, 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 that is, this is a relationship business and you are mastering relationships. It's essentially it's, it's, what it's, it is. It's not, it's not manipulation. It's just being a, a good communicator. A good communicator, being authentic, being yourself, and also being more interested in... You've said this. This is your mm-hmm. favorite line. Being more inter- <clears throat> more interested in them than they are in you. Yeah. Asking them questions, you know, because we were actors. We're good at being, yeah. we're good at being the, 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 what am I trying to say? Like the, the actor. We're good at putting on, yes. you know, yes. <clears throat> or hamming it up. You know, but, you know, sometimes, you know, ask, ask a question. That's all it takes. <laughs> just ask a question. Ask, and then really listen to the answer. Not, totally. Don't just, what is it, what is, uh, uh, what's your face in Fight Club say? Don't just wait for the, your turn to speak. Oh, I don't know the line. I love that movie too. Yeah. Yeah. Ed Norton says something One of our listeners is fr- Two of our listeners, three of our listeners are freaking out right now going, it's this line! And they're like yelling it at their, <laughs> yeah. pod, at their iPod. So anyway, before... Uh, before we went on the holiday break, I went into the office and the, the, the guy who is basically the main owner of the agency came up to me and congratulated me on the film. And a similar thing happened where we started talking about, I was wearing, um, this nice new pea coat. Yeah. He talked about this. Yeah. I talked about on the podcast. Uh, We're recording. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, that's the story, right? Where he was just like, we started talking about clothes. So relationship, right? Anyway, point is 
Last week, he comes down from his office to my other agent's office who I was meeting with, and he goes, hey, uh, AJ's Middle Eastern, right? Uh, yes. Yes, I think he <laughs> He's is. whatever you want him to be, man. He's whatever you want him to be. Okay, great. <laughs> so they're doing... There's an FX pilot. Um, I don't want to say the name just in case there's like some NDA stuff. But there's an FX pilot that's um, being created, and I think... The concept is that it's loosely based on Saddam Hussein and his sons, um, and I'm going in for it tomorrow. And it was, you know, it really was a, a, a joint effort of my agency that I'm technically still hit pocketed by. Yeah, and yeah. like that's the craziest thing, and I, I just love it. I just love knowing that as soon as I book the next thing, I'm going to be signed as a full client, and shit's going to with a pick. like a legit freaking agent. Like people know that that agency. Yeah. This is this is how I know that you're going to have a very successful career. It's because of that story you just told. It's because you know how to you know how to just be a friend. You know you just you know how to be real and just be a friend and and care about people. It's an ingrained quality that you have just innately. But then the skill set that you've cultivated through the work you've been doing is just allowing it to be expressed so freely. And dude, you are going to be working nonstop for the rest of your life. If you keep on going the way you're going right now, wow! Thanks, you re- man. you really are, man. And that's <laughs> you're you know, blowing me away right now. Well, because you've got <laughs> everything. Else, you've got everything else. You've got you've got you've got the talent. You've got the look. You've got you've got the work ethic, and that's the missing. The the only missing ingredient would be that one thing, which is just: Are you a great people person? And you are. And it's not because of some book you read or some thing you heard in a seminar, you know, about and you know, um, charming somebody. It's it's genuinely who you are. And now that you've got the skills to let that just flow through, just flow out, it's been awesome to watch you uh, on this wow. journey, you know, Thanks, and, man. and to uh, just that story right there. I'm like beaming inside right now. I'm like, shit, <laughs> it's, it begins. It begins. That's, that's, I, I'm, I don't know what to say. Thank you. I've, I'm really, I'm humbled and I'm excited and I, and I, I love what I'm, I love what I'm up to right now. That's the thing. You're you up know? to big things, man. I love yeah. what I'm up to. I love I love the work. I know we keep talking about the podcast, but like if you can find a center near you, wherever you are, Mm -hmm. find a center that does transformational trainings and go in and just take the basic, like, you know, or whatever their first level Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. I know people are like, oh, there's levels and stuff like that, but I I guarantee you it will blow you. It will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. Like I, 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 my hope is that everybody gets to, you know, have an experience like that where they, you know, they are able to go and then apply these types of skills. It really is just mm-hmm. about, you know, caring about people yeah, and caring and that, about, you know, the world and what happens. Yeah. There. And that affects the work. I mean, the, 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 the acting work, your acting work, because you become a deeper, richer human being and you're more connected. Yeah. You're more connected. So it's, like if I'm standing, if I'm sitting across from a reader or a casting director or whatever, and I'm reading with them, it's like, I, I create, that's my intention is create instant connection. When I yeah. go in, like I say, I, I, I feel that before going into the room mm-hmm. now and, and the auditions are great. I have a great audition and I, I haven't gotten callbacks or booked anything or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Cause I can tell, like I booked the office. Well, yeah. with the, with the Boston court thing, it was the same thing. It's like, I felt like I was amongst friends and like those were the most comfortable auditions ever. Like I, I had a feeling, a premonition. I was going to book that after the first audition hmm. cause it just felt so right. Yeah. And, and, and the director even said we had an informal read through, uh, last week. And he said, you know, there were a lot, we had a lot of people come in for this. And the, one of the reasons you got cast is because you all understood, you all fit into the world. 
you all understood and fit into the world of the play. And a lot of other people that came in didn't basically mm. like they, <clears throat> they sort of were, um, were against the grain, not because it was their fault, but it's like, you know, it's like, once again, Blake Robbins be, you know, do you like, yeah. I was just kind of being myself, but in this character who, by the way, <laughs> Is very similar to Lenny from A Voice and Man. So, you said that in the last yeah, episode, so I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting typecast as the big dumb guy. <laughs> That's fine. Whatever. The big dumb guy or the terrorist or the, uh, no. you know, or the cop. Oh, man. You're getting this typecast as town. the ethnically ambiguous. This freaking town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, hello. What's been going on with you, buddy? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, what you just said, if, whether you're in LA or not, find a center to do this kind of work. Why? That's this transformational work. That's what's been going on with me. Um, yeah. This week, I was moody this week, man. And I think it was because I was coming up to the final weekend of this training. Yeah. <clears throat> they call it the third weekend. Uh, <coughs> and I, you know, I, I realized in my moodiness that I have a habit in my life of doing things like 95, 97, 99% and then cutting out, bailing. Mm. Um, and my moodiness, I think in large part was me kind of finding a way to self-sabotage this process. And I didn't realize it until I got to the actual training and, uh, game changer, you know, life changing is all I can say. Yeah. I, I wish there was a way that I could, I could communicate like just how meaningful this, this work has been for, for me. I mean, I, I, I wish there was a way I could just like give people a, a little pill to be like, here's a little sample of, of what it feels like and what you're, and what, what experiences you're going to have and what you're going Dude. to gain from, from this and like how much life it can give you. And, and then if you want them more than great, you know, but like, I just, I wish there was a way to do it. I wish uh, there was a way to do it's it. It's really funny that you're saying that because the director of the company says that a lot. He says, you know, oh, I wish yeah. there was a pot. I wish mm-hmm. we take a little vial. A vial. Yeah. He and said give people. Night, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. At the torch fast. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so I, we should put a sound effect in here of like people applauding because <laughs> Trevor basically graduated. You know, it's like graduating from a, from a really intense college course or something like that. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> you uh, know, yeah. So congratulations in the field college course. Thank you. Yeah. It right. Was, it was epic. And, um, Oh my I, God. Can, do you have a copy of that video? Can we post that video maybe on our website or something of the actual torch pass? No, the, um, the thing you showed. Oh, yeah, at the absolutely. Pass. Yeah. So one of the thing, I think I talked about this when I did it, but one of the things you get to do is a community service project and Trevor's team did that. Oh my God. That video was gorgeous. Yeah. It was epic. amazing. Um, why don't you talk, quickly about what you did yeah so part of the lp experience part of the lp journey and lp again stands for leadership or legacy program i don't really know which one it is it's, it's inter- people interchange them it's all both. the time so leadership or legacy it's like the third leg of the um kind of flagship experience with with mastery and transformational training um and it's the longest one it's four months and part of the arc of that journey of that four months is a community service project that you and the team basically create from scratch or, or, or somehow embark on. I think some, some LPs have done habitat for humanity. Um, um, you know, pre-existing kind mm-hmm. of charities and whatnot. And, um, this woman in our group named Maddie, who's just a, an amazing woman. When we, when it came time to pitch ideas for our project, she brought like this whole like packet that she had like put together for this like vision that she has uh, for uh, a, a new organization she wanted to create called unity and diversity. And it's all about educating youth um, all over Los Angeles about uh, you know, how, 
how our diversity is really what unites us mm-hmm. and, and breaking down those barriers of race, culture, religion, um, you know, socioeconomic status, uh, neighborhood, you know, family back, like all that stuff. <clears throat> so we created a, a one day pilot program. We, we got, we were on the Jim Henson studio a lot in Hollywood and we did a, a, a whole curriculum from like 8am to 6pm with 23 eighth graders. And it was just like experiential stuff. It was facilitated dialogue. It was live entertainment. It was special guest appearances. It was the whole gamut. And it was, it was amazing, amazing to, to be a part of something like that and, and to help develop the curriculum and then see these kids go from like totally shut down at 8 a.m. in the morning to like hugging each other and crying at the end at six o'clock because they realize, you know, that nothing separates them except the stories they make up in their heads. Mm. It was epic. So yeah, I, I would be honored to post that, that video on the website. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. It might not be because do you have a copy? Or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's you on do. YouTube. Yeah. Wes put it on his uh, oh. YouTube channel. So watch the video. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it made me cry last night. Like seriously, I was just so, I not, I mean, I, I, was not only actually, listening. I couldn't tell if you were laughing or not. But I was I, laughing and crying at the same time. Yeah. It was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. So, uh, yeah. yeah, watch, watch that. Well, while we're in a space of gratitude, why don't we thank some people? Oh yeah, for uh, yeah for supporting us. So one of the listeners in the podcast who's been really vocal as of late is a, is a guy named Andy, and he uh, is not only on our Facebook group chiming in, but he's also part of the uh, Inside Acting Fitness Challenge, which what what which kicks off today, boom, and which has twenty <laughs> members. I, I capped it at twenty because it otherwise just got to control and people lose the sense of intimacy with the group. So is it twenty for now? We might start another one in the future if there's more interest, but. Andy's on that. Um, he's uh, he's also donated now as well for the podcast. He sent us some money. Awesome. And uh, Andy, thank you, dude. Thanks, thank man. Thank you for being such a vocal supporter and and for you know contributing your hard-earned dollars because that is what makes the wheels go round when it comes down to it on this podcast. And if you're listening to us while you're working out, because this is the first day of the fitness challenge, bring it. Bring it. <laughs> bring it. <laughs> uh, he's so like, yeah. yeah, second wind. IAP second wind. Yeah. <laughs> You did the Kempo motion when you did that. I know, I know. I got my second win. I got my second win. Sweet, man. So we have uh, just a little bit of time here to squeeze in, um, not squeeze in, but briskly <clears throat> discuss. Uh, two, <laughs> urgently. <laughs> urgently discuss. Two uh, emails that we got. Um, they both come from guys named Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and the first one's really interesting. Um, Michael O, we'll say, uh, writes in from Seattle, actually, and he's got a unique story because he's, he's actually... Well, he hasn't, I don't think he's left yet. I think he's leaving in March. Oh. So he wrote in from here. Okay, cool. But then that's I, the then story. I it. Yeah, then he's... So yeah, he's, he, he's, he's flip-flopped what we usually get, which is, should I move to LA? He's actually saying, should I leave LA? And I believe he's already committed to leaving. Yeah, I don't think it's a question. <laughs> I think he's just like sharing his... Yeah. And, and you know, we, we haven't talked a lot about... Um, this kind of circumstance in the podcast, because I think most of our, our listener base tends to be in a certain phase of life, but Michael j- just had a firstborn. He's got a new son. Um, and he said that changed things a lot for him. So he and his wife are, are going to be moving back to Seattle in March <clears throat> with their son. And he's basically saying like, 
and I've had a rough go of it out here. You know, I've, I've been, I've signed with an agent. I've been auditioning, but you know, not, not a ton of auditions, not much stuff. I, I'm a security guard at this entertainment and music amusement park type place. And, uh, and I'm, th- I'm wondering, is Seattle going to be, uh, like what, what kind of guidance can you guys give me basically is what he was going for. For me, I'm a big DIY guy. The more I am in this industry, the more I realize, you know, to steal a, a phrase from Mark Gant, you got to create your own door and walk through it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's one thing to play the game by everybody else's rules and, and, you know, like do A, B, C, and D and get in the casting office and, you know, get roles. I mean, that works, but it's, it's so much of it is left up to chance. You can work your ass off mm-hmm. and still just not be right for the part 200 times in a row. I mean, that happens. You can be a brilliant actor. You can be great at everything. You can be AJ. Boom, right here. But 200 <laughs> times in a row, not be right for the part. Yeah. And what does that do I to your I think I am good. I'm approaching that spirit. number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you and me both. So, that, you know, that's, that, can, that can do a number on your spirit, you know? And that yeah. can do a number on, on your attitude. And I'm not saying that Michael is this way, but I, I really believe that um, if the focus is on creating work, on what the work is really about, it's not about getting a job on a TV show. I really think it's about what is our purpose as artists here? Yeah. You know, it's to tell, it's to tell stories. It's to, it's to, it's to you know, transform the world Yeah, through the, the stories and storytelling is the, is the only way culture has ever been transmitted from one generation to the next mm-hmm. throughout history. The way we transmit culture is by the stories that we pass on to the next generation. And, and that's what this is. That's what our, our art is about. Mm-hmm. You know, TV shows are a mechanism there's a lot of crappy TV shows out there that are not nearly as effective as they could be, or maybe they're too effective at transmitting culture, certain aspects of it. But if that's what this is about, and I, it is for all of us, I believe, then why wouldn't you be making your own films? Why wouldn't you be taking an active role, especially in 2013, in creating your own stuff? So I'm talking a lot now, I know, but um, <laughs> he says, basically, I want to go to Seattle. Um, it's got a burgeoning film slash acting slash theater scene. Um, I'll have the opportunity to make my own films. Uh, you know, be a full-time dad for a year with my newborn son. And I say rock on dude. Yeah. I say, go for it. Absolutely. Like, it, it, his email made it very clear. That that's what his gut is saying. And mm-hmm. just the enthusiasm that I was reading <clears throat> in his words, I was like, done dude, done, yep, done. Nothing is, nothing will stop you. Uh, no matter where you are. I mean, mm-hmm. being in LA makes it easier, but if you want it, nothing, I mean, he's, he can write a brilliant film and shoot it wherever he is. Yep. And it will get to Hollywood if it's uh, if it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you or know, wherever Tribeca, like whatever you know. Yeah, he, he says, <clears throat> you know, the thing about you know burgeoning film, television, theater scene. But honestly, Seattle's had a major, major, major regional theater scene for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know, gosh, so I'm you know working in San Francisco. I met a bunch of actors who worked in Seattle. Working here, I've met a bunch of you know people who worked in Seattle. So um, yeah, it's a it's a big deal. Um, uh, the only thing I was going to add to what you just said, which was so spot on for me, is 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 this, and this goes not just for Mike, but Mike Gold, but for um, all of our listeners. What is your intention? Because you know, with Blake, <clears throat> he said, you know, he's like his wife got pregnant, and he could have he could have given up acting altogether, mm-hmm. or he said, you know what, I get to start making money at this. Yeah. You know, so my, yeah. my question to you, Michael, and to all of our listeners is what is, what's your intention? It seems from his email that his intention is very clear. He's like, I get to be a full-time da- dad for a year. Yeah. I want to be with my son, which is like, that's amazing. I'm yeah. getting goosebumps. That's amazing. Yeah. So he knows he's very clear on what his intention is. And if it means that you get to move to Seattle to be successful at that intention, 
awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. we have had similar ish conversations before where we talk about the minor markets and we say like, look, if you want to act all the time, don't come to LA. <laughs> like, don't, it's like, it's like futile. You know, if you want to be mm. acting all the time, either don't come to Los Angeles or come to Los Angeles with the full intention of doing DIY stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, but yeah. you know, if you're in a minor market and you love theater and you just want to act or you do community theater and you have an awesome job, you know, that makes you happy and makes you money. That's, Hey, you just created life. That's your yeah. life. And and you've had a particular experience with that, you know, based on just of mice and men. I remember you talking <clears throat> about those actors who were just like, that's their, that's their career. Yeah, they are regional theater actors, regional theater actors in specifically in the Bay area, making their equity rate every week. And yeah. And, and they've said, they said, they said there's like, they, they, I, I said this back then, but they said there's like, yeah, there's like 75 of us and we yeah. all work, whatever. And they're all married families, kids, whatever, and live out, you know, in the East Bay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they all see each live. other at every audition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey Carl. Yeah. Hey Bert. Yeah, exactly. What's up, Christina? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, what's your intention? Yeah, and you know when your son gets a little bit older, Michael, um, even just a couple of years, you know, move back if you feel called to. I mean, it sounds like what, what I love about his emails he's not he's not locked into the idea that success equals Los Angeles, yeah, or vice versa. You yeah. know, it's it's like I feel, I feel yeah. like people do get that impression. I hope we don't give that impression. I think yeah, you know, I'm afraid I'm a, I'm actually have, I'm having the fear now all of a sudden that we do give that impression a lot. Well, no, you know what it is. You know what it is? We're, we, we don't say success is locked to LA. We, we encourage people to follow their intention is what it is because people are always like, Oh, should I move now or should I wait? No, that's a good point. There's that's a, a good difference. Di- that's a good you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're talking about Los Angeles. Yeah. If they were saying, should I move to New York now or wait? I'd be like, go to New York. Like, what are you waiting for? You know what I mean? Like, right. cause that's obviously what your intention is. And something is holding you from holding you back, keeping you from pushing play. Yeah. <laughs> keeping you from pushing <laughs> you know what I mean? play. So push play on moving Bitches. to LA. Boom. Push play on move to LA. Can we trademark that? What? That was brilliant. What you just said. I don't think we can trademark. Tony would be so angry with us. No, we're <laughs> adding the, we're adding the move to LA part. We're adding the move to LA part. By the domain. Dude, right by the now. Domain. One of our listeners just bought it before yeah, us. You know. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, do we have time for this other email? I think we do. Okay, uh, awesome. So we'll be li- we'll be li- uh, urgent. With yeah, it. and you know this is this is um, this is really. I'm, epic. I'm so glad. So that, we that yeah we get this yeah <clears throat> that we get to talk about it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Mike uh, who <laughs> wrote in last episode right it was the last episode we talked about this it was 94 yeah so Mike wrote in and was talking about you know essentially his experience as a gay actor a gay man actor uh and you know having fear we asked him out loud on the podcast it was there a specific experience that caused you to have this fear or was it just what's coming out of hollywood and as we kind of suspected it was both so yeah he has like this this he sees what's going on in hollywood with like actors who kind of get typecast because maybe they're gay maybe they're uh more flamboyant so they end up just getting cast as Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. in gay roles or or what have you he did talk about the you know the um the 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 shows that I kind of mentioned with like queerest folk and the L word and stuff, but he also talked about how a lot of that can be stereotyping and it's kind of like, you know, where's the balance? But he also mentioned what I said about modern family, kind of like allowing them to just be like, you know, human beings with families. And mm-hmm. thank God we're like making progress on this because it's ridiculous that it's taken this long. Huh, that was my that was my <laughs> Apple box tirade. But then he goes on <clears throat> to talk about, or maybe he says this beforehand. I remember the exact chronology, but he was talking about how he had an experience with the director in college. I think he said where the director said you come off and you read as t- too gay, like literally told him that, and that, and then he he told him he needed to butch it up, and he spent a lot of time in college 
getting it up, getting yeah. coaching, acting coaching on how to butch it up. Yeah. And ended up playing heterosexual romantic leads and yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> um, and I just found that so like fascinating. Like I, I, I hope that there aren't, I mean, I'm sure this happens a lot, right? And maybe some of them are our listeners, but I hope that somebody didn't tell you something in your young career that sort of has you freaked out or telling yourself stories about how you're showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you feel, and the other thing that I wanted to say to Mike is if you feel like, you know, you, cause he talks about being able to embrace his, his femininity and, and all that stuff, which is great. I, I, have in the course of my transformational journey really started to embrace a lot of my, my femininity. We all have both masculine and feminine inside of us. And I, what I was going to say to you specifically, Mike is, is dude, if, if you own it, you, maybe you will get cast in those roles. And I'm not saying it's like great to, to get yourself typecast or quote unquote pigeonholed. But I remember thinking about it in a different light when we went and saw Mark Atterbury at, um, at actor fest that one year mm-hmm. when that woman and that girl was like, I don't want to get pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you get pigeonholed. All of a sudden people think of you when they want to cast that role, mm-hmm. you're going to work all the friggin' time. And that's yeah. what his type workshop is all about. Yeah. Type casting. And so I get the concern, Mike, but if you don't want to be typecast, don't move to LA in a, in a way like it's not, I mean, I don't, it's not black and white. I don't want, they're going to send us letters. Uh, <laughs> it's not that black and white. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but, but people do make a career out of playing the same or similar roles over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, we talked about it with, um, with Blake again, you know, the difference between like a movie star and an actor mm-hmm. difference between somebody like, you know, a, a Tom Cruise who's a, a, a lead you know, leading man and, and, um, a, uh, Daniel day Lewis or, a Johnny Depp who played characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, that's my two. So what did, what did you want to amen? Dude, I think you said it all. Uh, I have nothing to add. What? <laughs> Stop it. Um, I do want to s- say thank you again, Mike, for just, for being so candid <clears throat> and for it, for, for making this conversation happen on the podcast. I'm really thankful that, uh, that he wrote, he wrote in with this, with this issue, you know, I am too. I am too. Cause I, I, it, it, um, it just goes to show that I feel like we care enough about people's individuality and individual situations that I don't want there to be any boundaries on what we can talk about or not talk about on the podcast. Uh, I concur with, with the exception of maybe like advertising, <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Something that like yeah. something that uh, calls our integrity to question. You know, we have a very strict integrity policy, but so like um I just don't want there to be any any boundaries on where we can go, what we can talk about um mm-hmm. in terms of people's um personal lives and how that affects their acting. Yeah. I guess or their career. Yeah. Because acting is such an intimate art form, you know. It's one of the most intimate ways to connect with people. It's it, it only makes sense that we as 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 actors would be so also so invested in that yeah arena you know totally uh awesome. so thanks mike well, thank you both michaels <coughs> mike's mike michaels, and mike michaels and mike's uh <laughs> thank you guys um so we also have a voicemail that we want to play this episode but we're not going to for time but yes. um we, next we got episode. we can remember we get to, his name but thank you you yeah. know who you are um and 
it's a it's a descent which i love yeah love I'm, I'm happy love, about it love, too. love 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 so we'll yeah we'll have it, that on the uh, <laughs> contrary to popular belief it is not terribly fun to be agreed with all the time <laughs> you know i mean affirmation is wonderful but like we really want to invite you know dissenting opinions um alternate points of view things like that because that is what is really valuable you know like yeah, we always say there's not one path to get anywhere mm-hmm. and if we say something that rubs people the wrong way like tell us like do do the community a service and Get it out there. Right. So we can just open it up and people listening can make their own choices about it. You know, because if it's just the two of us all the time, it's like (laughs) these two assholes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I'm so thankful that we got a, uh, that we got that voicemail and we're going to devote a lot of time to it next episode. Rock and roll. In the meantime, in the meantime, we have a part one of our two part chat with Kevin E. West, founder of the actors network and actor himself, as well as a writer, speaker, author. I mean, he does, you know, again, a a multi hyphenate, extremely confident and uh, experienced guy has a lot to share. And this, this first piece is really just about his journey from no name actor to where he is today. And the second half we really get into, uh, which will be next episode. We really get into kind of his philosophies and, and particular experiences. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a good one. Enjoy the shit shit out of this, guys, and we'll see you on the other side. So, hey, everybody. Trevin AJ here, along with Jen Levin, our production coordinator, sitting quietly on the other side of the mics. Not so and quietly. She's going to laugh later, guaranteed. Yeah, she probably will. <laughs> We're thrilled to be sitting across from Kevin E. West, who is an actor, first and foremost, but then also a writer, an author, a speaker, a filmmaker, producer, and founder of the Actors Network. And Kevin's kind of a unique... Uh, well, first of all, hi, Kevin. Hey, man. How's it going? <laughs> Thanks for being here. Sure. Um, we're just going to talk about you sit there quietly. Yeah. We're going to talk. We're going <laughs> to quote your resume. Um, Kevin, <clears throat> Kevin's kind of unique. For those longtime listeners of the podcast, they know that we have kind of a policy on the podcast of, of, uh, of, of wanting to meet slash experience slash test slash tryout, whatever, uh, uh, a guest's work or their, or their product or their offering or whatever it is. Um, before we kind of feature them on the podcast, but we've had so many requests for so long to have Kevin on the podcast. And I, unfortunately, I'm actually a little embarrassed to say I've never been over to the Actors Network. I've been in LA a long time and I've never been over there. But uh, we've had so many people say Kevin needs to be on the podcast that finally we were like, okay, done, done, done. Here, here he is. So none ladies of, and gentlemen, Kevin West. None of them were a plant, I promise. I anything <laughs> none of them. You, you're paying a lot of people a lot of money. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> a lot of popsicles. Trevor, you're right though. I didn't even think about that. Like if we had a chart of like most requested guests. I think, I, you, I think you'd be it, Kevin. I think you'd be at the top of that and list. Yeah. See, now you got it out of the way. Now yeah. it doesn't have to happen anymore. Now we're like, okay, we had him. Good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Right, cool. well, I hope I never done. see you again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so Kevin, uh, yeah, thank you again for being here. You're and, welcome. um, we, we usually like to just start at the very beginning. You, are you from LA and what, if not, what brought you here and brought you to this industry? Well, this industry brought me here for sure. No, I, I actually grew up in Tennessee in Nashville and on the outskirts of Nashville for the most part, uh, as I like to say, butts not nowhere. Uh, when but I was a kid, you won't, it's hard to find on the map, and GPS hasn't quite figured out where that is yet. But <laughs> believe exists. me, there's a lot of places between here and Nashville that are considered butts not nowhere. Uh, but I started my career in Atlanta as an actor, and then I came out here specifically for the industry. Uh, so, I, but I've been out here a long time. 
Right on. Yeah. Right on. I'm a, I'm a late 80s guy, so I came out here with, you know, bad hair and parachute pants. Woo-hoo. Cool. Bright yeah. neon colors and everything. It's yeah. a little disturbing. You know, Flock of Seagulls kind of video sort of stuff. <laughs> it's, 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 un, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You do know this is going on the internet, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. I, I, have headshots, I have headshots to prove it. You just aren't ever going to see them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That'll be the one we get for the website. Yeah. Right. Um, did you do mostly theater then in, in Atlanta? We're fascinated because the podcast, obviously, because we live here, ends up being focused on L.A., this, this particular major market. But we have so many listeners from the minor markets that we end up getting a lot of questions about them and very often we can't answer them. And um, who is it? Susan, is it Susan Moss that's from Atlanta? Uh, yeah. Uh, we have a couple of, yeah, we, I think we so. have a bunch of listeners in Atlanta. Right. Like, you know, so what, what, what were you doing uh, in that minor market? Well, I mean, ironically, uh, because I like to use words that don't exist. Uh, I mean, Atlanta today is actually back then in the mid eighties was not dissimilar. I mean, because of Tyler Perry, people are much more conscious of, kind of the marketplace of Atlanta but even back then I mean that's there were a fair number of movies that came through Atlanta and I was a a college athlete I wanted to be a professional (laughs) football player when I was a little kid but I'm not quite that big so uh, I had been playing golf uh, in college and when I decided to transition from that to this I just was not a New York guy I guess it probably was based on the fact that I grew up in butts not nowhere and so I entered a competition that happened to be in New York, and I won a particular division of that, and that led me to make the decision to go ahead and move. And I had encountered an agent in Atlanta, which is only a three-hour drive from Nashville, and uh, so I decided to go to Atlanta at that time. Of course, Kevin being Kevin, uh, had a two-year game plan with specific goals and all that stuff about buying a car and saving money and getting my SAG card, and, and I actually also did a major feature film as well. So when the two years were up, I basically looked at my list and went, well, that's done, and hitched up a U-Haul, big mistake, uh, and drove across the country. And that's kind of my, my time in Atlanta. Love the city, two of the best years of my life. Uh, love Atlanta and love my time there. So that's how awesome. I went about here. And when you came out here, uh, how many contacts did you have? Did you know anybody? Um, a really old lady. Okay. That's not the, the name of an agency, <laughs> just a really old lady. Uh, .com? What? Yeah, okay. no. The weird part for me is that, uh, like I said, I, I grew up in Tennessee, but I wasn't born there. I was actually born in Phoenix. And my mom was an entertainer in terms of being a piano player and a singer. And I'd actually lived in North Hollywood for a few years when I was four and five years old. So the lady who actually took care of me, not a nanny, but like a kind of a babysitter, course she was much older now that's why i call her the old lady um she was the only person i knew in los angeles and and that's how i wound up in the valley because she lived in the valley i didn't know anywhere else to go so she lived like at tahunga and oxnard um which is really disturbing now uh back then it wasn't as disturbing in the late 80s but it is now uh so you lived in a strip mall yeah (laughs) exactly and so yeah i mean i uh she was kind of my only contact so to speak uh in la i mean my mom my mom knew danny simon neil simon's brother but you know kind of like your third cousin there jen i mean not wasn't any kind of a connection so i I, you know but that's kind of my nature i just kind of showed up in my car and like well i'm here Let's start. And so that's uh, that's kind of how it happened. That's funny because that was actually going to be my next question. Like if you don't know where to start and it sounds like um, based on what you did in Atlanta, like you have a, a way of, you know, creating goals for yourself and going mm-hmm. after them. Like what 
What did you decide was going to be the first thing that you did when you arrived in L.A.? Well, oddly, with all these years later, AJ, one of the things that I'm actually starting right now to spend more time doing is actually what I have not done for many years since I started the, the Actors Network and as well what I did the first couple of years I was here because right as I was leaving Atlanta, one of the things that I really wanted to make sure that I did was stand-up comedy. And I didn't want to be the age I am today and go, shit, I wish I would have tried that. Hmm. Uh, so I had just done a couple of sets really poor sets, I'd like to add, uh, in Atlanta at the punchline before I drove out here. So ironically, the first thing that I really spent a lot of time doing, and you got to think late 80s, 87, 88, this is Sam Kennison time. This is Gary Shandling time. <clears throat> yeah. Damon Wayans was in my acting class. Uh, wow. I almost got in a fight with Dice Clay on the street at the, comics, uh, the comedy store. I which think he is, starts fighting with everybody. Yeah, really not difficult to do. <laughs> Anyone just start talking to him. Uh, so this was Hi, a, Dice. Yeah, this was a, this was a time that, that was kind of when comedy was sort of stand up was kind of blowing up and so i i while i was you know got pictures and i was sort of submitting myself my first 2 years here 87 and 88 really wound up getting dedicated a lot to doing stand up and i was with an improv troupe and doing sketch it's also when i started working really hard to get rid of my southern dialect because i did have one as well as starting to work really hard to lose it by also perfecting doing others which is one of the reasons why i do so many accents and dialects relatively well to the extent that I'll beat out about 30 and 40 Australians to play an Australian on loss. So that's where that whole thing. So my first two years, man, was all about comedy. And then now all my whole resume is our drama. So it's weird. Hmm. It's hmm. just weird. So what was that What was that like? You, you, you moved out here. You knew a little old lady. And, and, and then the stand-up thing happened. And now you're working in, in mostly hour-long drama kind of type work. So, I, so what was that journey like? I don't even I don't even remember how it really happened, Trevor. I mean, in '89, when I decided, okay, here's here. Well, access actually not true. The link is this, and this goes to sort of talking about the business. We think of things as just being a performer. Like I like just performing, so I'm going to go get some pictures, and this is what I'm going to do. Or I'm from butts not nowhere, and I do theater or whatever it may be. One of the first lessons that I had to learn getting here was, and I I've called it this for years: areas of industry. I've identified 43 different professional performer professions in this city, 43, that you can make a living at just doing that. We as performers like to say, well, I can do it all. Well, yeah, but in L.A. to try and say you can do it all without having any credentials of doing anything, if you try to pursue them all, you just get run over. And the first experience for me for that was stand-up comedy because you can't be, and especially then, you can't be a successful stand-up without going on the road. You just can't be. That is part of what I call that profession. And it slapped me in the face because I was off doing stand-up and I uh, had, had gotten my demo reel and I got some of my sets taped at this old club. God, what is that club now? It's next to the St. James Club on Sunset. It was called Carlos and Charlie's. I don't even know what the hell it is today. I think they just bulldozed the damn building. Um, but there was a booker in town, a guy that was pretty well-known named Bob Zaney, and, he, and I got a phone call from him one day. And this is going towards the end of 88. And he goes, hey, Kevin, uh, your demo reel got submitted to me, and I saw it, and I'd, I'd like you to book you to be an opener. And I was, for the moment I was on the phone, this is like real-life stuff. I'm going, cool. And he goes, in Mississippi. And I just went, huh? <laughs> and all that hit me at that moment was, wait a minute. I just got here. I didn't come here to go spend 265 days on the road. I don't even know anybody yet. And so... I told him to hang on a second. I'd call him right back. I hung the phone up. I remember standing in the apartment that I lived in on Laurel Canyon near Oxnard. And 
I went, yeah, I'm not doing that. And I put all my notebooks, all my tapes in a box. I called him back. I said, thanks very much. And that was the beginning and the end of me being a stand-up. But I'm very glad that I did it because I know what doing stand And I recommend people doing stand-up to anyone. I think every actor should have to do stand-up. It is an outstanding training field. Outstanding. Because it's, wow. because it's difficult. And I was good at it. I mean, I, I, I worked really hard, but I just didn't want to go on the road. So at that moment, I kind of went, wait a second. I, I want to do you know scripted dialogue acting stuff. And so right around that time, late 88, I mean, I did the first annual, I don't think they do it anymore, but I did the first annual funny per, Funniest Person in the Valley contest at LA Cabaret with Tony Sepulveda, who's now the senior VP of talent at Warner Brothers. Hmm. He was a comic at the time as well. Uh, we laugh about that to this day. Uh, and so I suddenly was like, wait a second. So I started you know, submitting myself stronger and stronger, and I read for China Beach at that time. And the next thing I know, I read for General Hospital, and I booked General Hospital, and I booked Matlock right after that. And after I booked Matlock, every single thing I did since then was our drama, which I, I can do. I'm, I, it's not hard, but I'm kind of that walking contradiction. I, I like to kind of like him. I'm more of kind of a John Stewart, Bill Maher, kind of Dennis Leary, sort of smart-ass kind of funny. I'm not really like Seth Rogen or Adam Sandler, kind of silly funny. I'm a little more political, intellectual funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm just now starting to, as we speak right now during this podcast, I'm bringing comedy more back into my life. But, man, I mean, I you know, it's 50 television shows later. I just finished shooting Touch, you know, with Kiefer Sutherland. So I, it's just part of my resume. I'm, I'm probably not going to get away from it, but I can choose to bring comedy back into my life. Right, right, absolutely. <clears throat> and, and what I'm hearing is a lot of specificity in your approach to your career. I mean, 43 different areas of of expertise, I guess you could say, um, ways for professional performers to make a living. So how has this specificity served you on your journey? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, Trevor, for all of us, it, it's... Uh, we just simply go, gosh, you know, give me something to do. Give me something to read. Give me something to perform. All right, well, I'm sitting in front of a microphone, so I could go into my voiceover voice. Voiceover is one of those areas of industry that people go, oh, you got a good voice. You should dot, dot, dot. <laughs> do you know how hard right. it is to build a voiceover career when you don't have dick on your, you know, it, it's difficult. It is a difficult profession. And that's one of those things is, to me, you can either sit around and continue to be overwhelmed or understand that this entire business is like a huge room of dominoes. But while they're all connected, sort of, the reality is is that each one of them has a face, and it's called daytime television, which is not the same as half-hour television, which is not the same as our television, which is not the same as being a game show host. If you become successful at one, and everybody knows you, that can knock over other dominoes for you. But most of us are so busy trying to kind of put a footprint in Hollywood when we get here that we're busy just kind of looking at breakdowns or now looking at anything on a website and just clicking and submitting for everything. And it's hard for us. It is very difficult to have the discipline to pick a couple of areas and really work hard at them to try and make some inroads. But um, putting the, the putting stand-up down when I did it was one of those things. Who knows what I might have done if I'd taken that trip to Mississippi, and I have no clue. But I knew that I wanted to do scripted film and television. I, that's what I knew. And uh, so, you know, I decided to put it down and do it. But I, I do think everyone looks at, oh, well, look at so-and-so, he, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but you have to look at someone's beginning. Mm-hmm. You have to look at someone's inception point. How did Hollywood first come to know them? That will always be the thing that, op- that opened a door for them. 
You can't just go, oh, well, so-and-so is blah, blah, blah today. It's like, eh, go all the way back and look at what it is they did first. And I make this joke all the time. How many commercials do you know Will Ferrell did? Hmm. Answer? Zero. Pro- zero. Yeah, I know. Zero. Yeah. Before he, Saturday Night <clears throat> All he cared he about was joke. He did um, some joke ones for Apple that were actually Apple- but that's in a shot, but right. I don't think they ever aired on television. But that's post his success. Yeah. Oh, I'm that's talking true. about pre SNL. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. My thing always is people always go, oh, look at Will Ferrell. He does movies. Like, hmm. Look at Will Ferrell's life and what he did prior to us ever seeing him on SNL. And what did he spend his time on? And it's the hardest word for us focus. It's the hardest word for us because Hollywood is all around us at all times. There's all kind of shit going on. And it's like, and you'll spend 10 years. And next thing you know, you'll have gotten nowhere. You will have kind of lightly scratched 10 dominoes, but you won't have knocked one of them over at all. Hmm. And that's, that was that hard decision that I made at that time. You know, and there was a guy I did stand up with back then and we would do all these little tiny goofy ass clubs and stuff. And I, you know, I knew that fo- stand up was this guy's focus and I, and I, he was really good. And I said, you know, if he, he sticks at it, he'll actually get known as a stand up. And he did. His name's Tommy Davidson. I used to do little bad clubs at like Pico and shit, but Tommy Davidson was, you know, weighed 120 pounds soaking wet. This little skinny black kid, but he was really good. And I'm like, if he sticks with it, he'll get somewhere. And he did. Yeah, I know. So, wow. I don't know him personally, but I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I, I love. Um, I want to connect uh, uh, these two dots. You were talking about, you know, someone's inception point, and mm-hmm. I feel like what's super powerful about what you're what you're talking about right now is that one of your inception points, if not your your most powerful inception point, started with the word no, um, and that is like a that I think that's a huge lesson that actors could could learn from you. Um, because it is so difficult for actors to say no, because we are doing that thing of like, I want to do everything or I could do er everything or I just want to perform or just give me a job for Christ's sake. And when is this opportunity to come around again? Yeah, it's both. It's that we, we look at a lot of things as this is my one shot at the title. Like that happens at, that happens a lot when we're out places, when we meet somebody or it's like, ah, I got to metaphorically, I got to have sex with him right now. And so we come at people in what I like to say in a way that would disturb any male or female if somebody of the same or opposite gender was coming at them personally, physically. It's like it would be called having no game. Actors have a difficult time with game because it is that. It's like this opportunity is my shot at the title or anything I say yes to other than saying no to stuff is going to cost me. But you can't say yes to everything in your mind every day running around. You just can't do it because – there's a yes everywhere. There's yeses walking out your door every day. I mean, now on electronic casting, I mean, there are 500 things you could submit for AJ a, a month. Mm-hmm. Back when I was here, we only had student films. That was mm-hmm. pretty much it outside of – then they came up with limited exhibition and they called them SAG experimental films, which are all now called ultra-low budget, budget, SAG modified, modified low budget, and short agreements. But they had different names for them, but maybe there'd be – you know, 15 things a week for someone like my type then or you guys type now would be 200. Mm-hmm. You can you can run around literally and spin yourself into syrup. It's really easy. Mm-hmm. And learning how to say no, man, it's been a it's been a conversation of mine uh, at the Actors Network, something I came up with. I don't know what year I started doing it, but the power of no. It's a subject that I've been talking about for 20 mm-hmm. years because it's tough. Because the no, no one, there's no one telling you you have to say no, and it's not obvious why you have to say no. You have to decide to say no for your own self. It's really difficult. But, man, if you don't, between the traffic, 
the fact that it always seems like it's the same day weather-wise, about 347 days out of the year, um, family visiting, going to Disneyland, wanting you to go with them. Uh, you'll look up four years will have gone by in Los Angeles. You're like, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> I figured you could. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it's also, I don't know, relating it to um, my own journey, I, sometimes I feel like, well, it, it does feel like I'm making progress, but what is, you know, like, what? where should I be? You know, and then you start comparing yourself to other people. It's like there's, it's a... It's a dark path to <clears throat> to find yourself walking down. And it follows you. The dark path doesn't ever leave, man, because it's the path you're walking on. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if, if somebody could have said this to me uh, 25 years ago, um, and I just say that out loud so it resonates in the podcast, huh. uh, I, I think that you should judge yourself only by the following. And this is literally the criteria that I've come up with in my time, and it goes specifically, you know, Trevor, to the areas of industry. How many people in an area of industry are willing to consider you? Hmm. That's it. That's the statement. However you want to define consider, we could do that a lot of different ways. But making that statement covers two exceptionally important things in any profession, much less this one. How many people are willing to consider me? Okay. Two things exist. Number one, if they're willing to consider you, then they at least must know who you are. Mm-hmm. The old, it's who you know. Well, shit, all of life is who you know. If you know the guy that works the door at a bar, you get in. That's the same damn thing. Hollywood is just Hollywood's just a list like a bar. That's all it is. So by saying how many people can consider me, by definition, that means how many people that have met you and know you to consider you matters clearly. And what are you doing about it on a weekly basis, AJ, to increase it at all times? And the second part of that is, especially today in Hollywood versus even when I came here, but always if someone's willing to consider you, then they must think that you're proficient enough at whatever it is that they do to make you considerable because everybody's an actor. Everybody claims they have a good voice. That doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. mean that you're good enough in that booth to do voiceover on a professional level for a $10,000 job with sound engineers sitting on the other side of the room, needing you to get this in and get it in every single time in 30 seconds without screwing it up. So, Someone being able to be considered because we're on the brink of the Oscars, that phrase we use, for your consideration, to be considered by someone who is in a position across the desk from us as actors means that that person to consider you, not just what your your agent or manager can do in submitting you, yeah, that's the process to some consideration. But if you know somebody, like a third cousin, uh, for example, uh, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, Jen, uh, you know, so so how many people can consider you means that they know you to consider and they think highly enough of your ability to be willing to consider you because man, it ain't 1955. You know, back in the day, in the in the in the early '90s, we didn't have to read for shows very much. I mean, maybe I went in for a show twice if I didn't book it the first time. I had to read five times for Desperate Housewives, six times for CSI Miami, six times for Castle. Now, yes, if they're calling you back, clearly you're doing a good job. But it doesn't change the fact that getting hired is just simply more difficult today than it was back then, for a number of reasons. Some of which are economics, some of which are other things, but. That's that's my one statement of clarity as to how you're doing. One, giving someone's gauge to themselves. Now, now I'm talking about that business thing of people. I'm not talking about your proficiency level. You've got to take care of your skills 
acting class, improv, whatever it is you're doing, you have to be really, 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 that's three reallys, good. But I would judge it by that. I would judge it by how many people are willing to consider me in an area of industry. You are talking about that, though, because you're talking about the, you know your level of proficiency such that they yeah. are considering you. I mean, you know. I guess I consider it a given, AJ. You know, I was a I was an athlete. I was a really good athlete. Um, and as I like to say, I wasn't. I was good enough to know how good I wasn't. Mm. Because when you get to when you get to you know Division One college big boy football, how many of those guys never see a field in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Answer: ninety percent of them. Mm-hmm. And they're playing for Texas, or they're playing for Alabama, or they're playing for, and they never see an NFL field. Um, I was not as good as some of those guys would be analogy-wise to golf, but I was a good enough golfer to know how much more work I would have had to put in to even remotely distantly dream of back then, you know, trying to make the Nike Tour. I was just good enough to see how far I was from the top. And and that climb, the short climb to to that place is much harder than all the way up. Getting from the ground to, let's say, 90%, that's the easy part. Getting from 90 to 99, that's the hard part. So, I, you know, yeah, I, I guess I just consider it a given. But part of our issue is that we don't practice what it is we're supposed to do in a real world environment enough, AJ, to actually determine whether or not we're proficient. Acting class is important. It's necessary. It's all those things. But by God, it is not your ass walking into a room with three people sitting on a couch Mm -hmm. and a camera staring at you who are bored out of their mind. You're the 47th person out of 50. They're looking at their watch. They got their phones going off 17 times. They got other things in their mind like, geez, please, this person, you go, hi, how you doing? You know, and then now you're also doing it really for camera for people who aren't even in the room. Mm -hmm. And that environment is not at all the same as your acting class. It's not at all the same as your friend who rented a camera for the weekend with, you know, two friends and a goat and a guy named Billy to shoot, you know, an ultra low budget film or a web series, which nothing against those things. But your butt's not on the line emotionally and psychologically like it is when you go read for a real legit job. That's why I'm such an advocate of people going to as many auditions as they can go to all the time. And funny enough, since you said it 10 minutes ago, and learn how to say no. Audition for everything you can and learn how to pass because mm. passing is a part of this business. And you need to learn how to say no when someone calls you up and they want you. We're horrible at saying no when someone, hi, it's so-and-so, and we'd like to hire you for, and we here, we'd like to hire, and we just get all tingly, and the hair goes up, and we're calling family and friends and shit, and we're putting stuff on Facebook. It's like, wait a minute, what did I just say yes to? Is this worthy of me? And mm. even if it is worthy of me, do I really want to do it? That's being a phrase that I've used for many years that has nothing to do with credits, nothing to do with your union card, and nothing to do with how much money you make as an actor. Being a professional. A professional can say no. A professional can discern between what they submit for, what they're willing to go up for, and what they aren't. And this has nothing to do with age, nothing to do with gender. It has to do with your attitude. So, yeah, I mean, proficiency is not just what you do in class. So what would you, I'm curious then, um, because, because I, I don't know that anyone's ever had that comprehensive of a view on what it means to be a professional on the podcast. And, and we've had so many discussions about how, in fact, I think Blake even says it like Hollywood, he said in the, the last interview we did, Hollywood hires, uh, bad acting all the time. Is that what he said or something like that? Yeah. 
So what what do, what are your thoughts on um, like these actors who are super professional and they work their butts off as far as the business aspect goes, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily have the same um, talent level that say another actor who's doing this who's working just as hard has. Sure. Do you get what I'm saying? Like they somehow have created those relationships, um, <clears throat> and maybe they've created the more because the way that I break up what you were saying um, earlier about those two, you know, to be considered those two things mm-hmm. in order to be considered mm-hmm. is that it sounded like to me that one was personal, one was professional, uh, or or one was personal and one was your uh, skill. Yes, one one is personality and one is skill set. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Correct. What I'm saying is like there's a lot of people out there that have a ton of personality, a ton of business acumen uh, that work all the time and are sort of, it seems to me, uh, lacking on the sort of the skill side of things. Um, Whereas somebody else might have just as much personality, just as much business acumen and maybe even a better skill level and they're not working as much as that other person. Like... I don't know what's what's missing. What do you what do you think about those people who have managed to create those kind of relationships, such as they're working, even though they might be you know lacking in in the skill area? Like, well, I mean, I, you know, as a, as a <clears throat> as a card player, which is you know playing cards relatively seriously, which is something that I do, is like the rest of life. It's a partial information game, and we as actors are constantly dealing with partial information because. What percentage of this town doesn't know you, doesn't know you, doesn't know me? Um, that number is typically always going to be higher than it is lower until you're, quote, unquote, a name actor. And it's no different for me, AJ. I have a long, long resume, but I'm still not a star. And by God, I should be. Um, so, <laughs> yes. you know, I mean, I, I've mastered the ability to work and, and, and make money in this business. And yet I'm still not, by definition of, as I call, Hollywood Q. And TVQ, Hollywood Q is the internal community here. TVQ, just being the old phrase we used for the Nielsen ratings of, you know, how much somebody would know me if I was walking in a mall in Cleveland. Uh, and, and unless they watched any one of the shows I'd done a lot, they wouldn't know me from Adam. So, but a lot of what you just brought up is just access. My question always becomes, what are people doing to make sure that they're accessible and our community in general is really good at going to class and we're really good at going to actor parties and we're really good at doing a lot. We're not very good at going places where we might have to run into somebody that we're afraid is going to judge us for being an actor. And it keeps us not only away from those kind of events, premieres or those sort of things or talking to those people. It keeps us on Facebook and Twitter, which when you're not somebody, no one gives a shit about. Um, so... That's the business side of that. The proficiency side of it goes back to, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that dude. I'm the guy who's going to say, look, if, if you say you want to do this, then you're going to have to go do it. And you're going to have to prove that by going and doing it that you are who you are. And that's what those people considering you would do. It's like, look, if you think you have a great voice and you should do voiceover, then you're going to have to go cut a demo that proves it to me. That's just the deal. And when in today's Hollywood, with all of the ultra-low budget, and all of the web series auditions that exist in this city on a weekly basis, if you consistently don't get called back or don't consistently want to get hired by the folks doing these, what we would call, you could call them amateur projects or just really low end. I mean, it doesn't matter what you call them. If you can't beat out your fellow actors in your category for those jobs, 
you're not going to book much when it comes to actually a real job. You just aren't. And I measured it. I measured it way back then. I measured it um, on uh, student films. That's how I measured that back in the day, because that's all we had. I thought if I go audition for student films, because SAG members can do student films. If I can't get called back or book those, I'm going up against my fellow peers, so to speak. Not the stars, but people that have. But I did. I did book them. I did get callbacks for almost all of them. I, I, so that's how you start measuring yourself. And you do measure yourself by having a legitimate professional, one of those people that we would want to consider us, actually see your work however they see it. And the proof in the pudding is, do they call you in? Because a lot of actors got a lot of friends in the business and can't figure out why those friends don't think of them when they're doing blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I'm the guy that always winds up saying the thing no one wants to hear. Have they seen your work? Oh, yeah. Then your answer is they don't think much of it, but we don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they will never really say that to your face. Yeah. So, you know, I don't like having to read for Castle six times, but in my category, when there's 5,000 guys in the city that are qualified to read for a top of show guest star on Castle, um, if they call you in six times in three seasons you're probably doing something right. Hope you enjoyed part one of our chat with Kevin E. West, founder of the Actors Network. Uh, I'm glad we finally got him on here, yeah, man. Yeah, you know? like I said, well, I say it I say it uh, to him that he's one of the you know yeah. most requested guests. So, um yeah yeah good uh good stuff and um and uh yeah look forward to um the second half and we'll yeah. do our our debrief after that yeah yeah um pick of the week so uh yeah this was actually my pick of the week last week and i almost feel like it shouldn't quite be a pick because i actually don't know it terribly well I, i'm in the habit these days of picking picks that i'm only like partially experienced with like i feel like my pick to be official i have to like know it inside and out which is just a story, but uh, this pick is a book that uh, I read the introduction to and the first couple pages of the first chapter, and I was immediately sold on it. So I, I actually haven't read the whole thing. So it may suck. So so disclaimer. <laughs> the first check. 20 pages are amazing. <laughs> but you never know, man. I've, I've you know, it's been there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the book is called uh, Accidental Genius by a guy named Mark Levy. I've I heard believe. of this book before. And uh, it's like we talked about the artist's way in the podcast yeah. you know, dozens of episodes ago. And, and I think we both talked about how valuable the morning pages exercise was for us. And mm-hmm. I, I don't do it every day anymore, but I'm still pretty consistent with it. I still do it at least a couple times a week week and it just feels good to just brain dump and just get it out and sometimes i find myself writing stuff where i'm like oh that's that's quite good (laughs) i shall shall save that for some future project uh and uh, this book accidental genius is all about the kind of art and skill of free writing and how to just mine the crap out of your brain for like those nuggets those breakthroughs those things that your brain's hanging on to but that might be kind of shrouded in fog so it's all about just like different techniques to just get in there and like just have your breakthroughs by just dumping on the page but in like a structured way that's amazing and I've heard nothing but great things about the book awesome how about you man Uh, my pick of the week is Christmas I love this part of the podcast right what's yours what's yours what'd you get what'd you get open it open it open it we're in the habit of not telling each other what our picks are now before we start recording. Yeah. Like I asked AJ, he's like, oh, you'll hear it. You'll see. Yeah, you'll see. So you'll I'm see. super excited I'm super right excited now. about it. Okay, so my pick of the week is, okay, 
it's not Soul Pancake, but have you heard of Soul Pancake? Yes, yes. So Soul Kid Pan- President. Yes. You oh, what? is that your pick? Yes, it's my oh, pick! Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you totally ruined it. <laughs> you ruined Christmas. <laughs> Trevor ruined Christmas. <laughs> no. I did. I yes, so soulpancake.com is a website that was started by Rain Wilson of uh, The Office, uh, US version fame. He plays Dwight Schrute. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's amazing, amazing, uh, actor, amazing man. And he started soul pancake because he wanted to open up the dialogue about like religion and spirituality, but do so in a way that was very like pop culture and, uh, and fun and like mm-hmm. exciting and get people like involved in having conversation without killing each other. Like we've been doing for the past 2000 plus years. <laughs> so, so and, scene. and yeah, yeah. Uh, and monologue. Yeah. So, um, uh, part of soul pancake is my pick of the week, which is this thing called this thing, this, uh, video, video series, series yeah. from soul, from soul pancake called kid president. And they found, this little African American boy who is brilliant. He's like he's like, the be- brilliant. he's like the best actor I've ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> yeah. he is ridiculous. He's so authentic and so plugged into like who he is as like a little kid. It's a series of. I mean, people are probably freaking out right now because they know they know of Kid President. But for those of you who don't, I just made your week. Dude, because like, epic rap battles is nothing compared to Kid President. Oh wow, that's, <laughs> you know? a, that's a high compliment coming from Mr. Well, Trevor. I was, I was looking at your Twitter and I saw you had tweeted a couple of videos from that, and so I checked it out and I watched all of them. And I was yeah. like, I was like, a this kid is amazing, and b I, I really want to know how much coaching or direction he gets, or if this is all just self generated from him. Yeah, like I was wondering, like did, did they have like a, there was there an audition process? I want to like sit down with Rain Wilson and ask him about Kid President. Like we'll interview you later, Rain. Like I want to. <laughs> I want to talk about this kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's amazing. He's amazing. Um, he's super funny and, like, really genuine. And everything, all the videos are very inspirational, which is the other thing yeah. I like about it because yeah. of this transformational work that we've been doing. Like, I really love inspiring people and getting people to, like, take on their lives and getting people energized. And he does this whole thing about, like, give a pep talk today. Like, you know, just go <laughs> out and, like, one. give a pep talk to, like, somebody you know or somebody you don't know, a stranger or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I I don't know. It's amazing. I just made your week. Go watch them, uh, tweet them, Facebook them. Let's get the word out. Um, kid we'll president definitely for president. A, definitely have a link to that on the website. Yes. Um. Yeah. God, those videos are great. So good. All right. So I think that I think about does it. Yeah, I think so. Um. So we wanted to uh, reiterate our, our announcement. Uh, we didn't say it uh, in the last episode because we're still putting the details together. So mm-hmm. something is happening on March twelfth. It's a live podcast recording, uh, and there are more details to follow. But if you want to be there, if you're in the L.A. area and you want to come to a live recording, please send us an email, insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. It's the easiest way for us to keep track. Um, and do not cancel. Do not not show up. Um, yeah, that's Unless pretty someone is bleeding or dying or something, um, because it will make us look very bad. If you are a union member... You can sign up on the SAG Foundation website for the event when the sign-up goes live, which I don't think it has yet, but we'll put a link on our website when it does. Um, and the thing is, is anyone who's in the union who's ever gone to these events knows that if you sign up and you cancel, if you're a no-show without giving them proper notice, you get like a demerit. You get like a point. Mm-hmm. So if you're non-union and you're a listener to this podcast, it's really awesome. They're giving us the opportunity to extend an invitation to our listeners, union or non-union. So if you're non-union, email the podcast We'll get you on the list, but if you don't show up, then you're making us look bad. 
because you're kind of making yourself look bad too. Let's be honest. Truth. Hashtag <laughs> truth. Um, so yes, March twelfth, seven p.m. ish. We'll, we'll know anyway, for sure. We'll know for sure. But, it, episodes, but yeah. anyway, the point is, we want to keep reminding people about it. So check that out. Also, go to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. We've got signups there for our new newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, all of the links to everything else that we do: Twitter, Facebook. Um, and uh, and all that good stuff. Voicemail, and then PayPal, voicemail, PayPal, uh, which patrons, brings us yeah. to yes, which brings us to our um, our, our final point, which is uh, you know this um, podcast is as of now completely listener supported, uh, so we can't do it without you guys, and we really yeah. appreciate every penny <clears throat> that we receive from you. So head on over to the website. There's a donate button on the right hand side. Click on it. You can donate three, five, ten, or twenty dollars a month to become a patron in which case we'll put you on our patron page with a little picture and a bio mm-hmm. or you can do a one-time one-off donation yeah you know and any, any denomination and on the patron note because we've we've <clears throat> talked about these kind of cool things we have in the works that patrons are gonna have kind of first dibs access to um i got to play with the version like the beta, the second ver- beta version of our iphone app this week and uh, you know it's, it's shaping up to be pretty cool. That's awesome. You know? It's 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 going to be you know nothing crazy. Um, it'll probably be free, or if not, it'll be a dollar. And uh, we'll just pay the developer who's doing it just because he's amazing. He's just doing it in his free time. Just a friend, um, <clears throat> Esteban is his name, by the way. If you want to be in touch with him to develop an iPhone app for you, let us know and there you, get go. you guys connected. Um, so so, but that's coming. That's coming, and we are really going to rely on our patrons for feedback and chances to play with this stuff. You know, we've got the ebook coming out still. We're still working. On that, we've mm-hmm. got all sorts of fun stuff that we're excited, and uh, it's just another way of saying thank you to the patrons to to really not only get their feedback, but also to just let them see kind of uh, you know the the cool shit we got going on. Yes, sir. Um, and uh, you know, if if anything ever, um, I'm going to go ahead and say this: if anything ever is going to cost money, if we're going to charge for it, I'm going to go ahead and say if you're a patron, you get it for free. Wow, because you're already supporting the podcast. I agree. Yeah. I agree, especially on a monthly. Yeah, you know, if you're contributing donation, even like, just three bucks a month, you know, I mean, that's less than a dollar an episode. That goes a really far, a really long way for us. Yeah, it um, does. And to thank you, we <clears> want to <throat> just not only feature you on the website, but also make sure that you get everything that we could possibly offer you uh, in this podcast, uh, just for for sh- showing your support that way. So, uh, bam, that's it. Bam, um, episode ninety-five. Bam. I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime. Not cool, Robert Frost!